Blog Talk Radio. And get paid and the material that has no meaning I wish to 
place. Pay me every bit of your attention. Like mother, like daughter, I would also like to mention. I wish for you to bring me to the, bring me to the rhythm of which is now systematically given. Desperately stressing, I'm the daughter of a sister who's the mother of a brother who's the brother of another. Fuck one more. All four have a job to do. We do in it. Respect due to the mother who's the root of it. And next up is me, the M-O-N-I-E-L-O-V-E. And I'm first because I'm an L-A-V-I-E. Contact and in fact, the style gets harder. Cooling on the scene with my European partner. Laying down track after track. Waiting for the climax. When I get there, that's when I tax the next man or the next woman. It doesn't make a difference. Keep the competition coming. And I recite chapter in verse. The title of this recital is Ladies First. The mic. The scene is ripe, the crowd is hype. I expel the whack and those who bite. Why? Cause I'm that type. Swing with B45 King style. He wants me to sing, but I'll swing for me. Wow. A footnote for the opposite sex. Moni rip the mic, I rock it next. Flex. You never catch me at my worst. You get the drift? It's late. That's 
888-344-0344. As always, we look forward to hearing from you guys out there. And before we um, really get into the show, got to send our deepest prayers and uh, thoughts out to the residents of Southeast Texas who got hit over the weekend with Hurricane Harvey. When it touched uh, landfall there over the weekend, it was a Category 4 storm, and they are really dealing with a lot out there in Texas. And also want to send a shout-out to the brave men and women who've been doing a lot of rescues, uh, getting people from their homes. They have received over 50 inches of rain in just four days. I mean, 50 inches of water in four days. So our thoughts are really with uh, those out there. I have a couple of friends out there in that area as well. Luckily uh, for them, none of them are in the actual flood zone, but they're, uh, they also, you know, feel what's going on out there, you know, in their state. So definitely our thoughts and prayers go to the men and women and children out there in southeastern, southeastern Texas. All right. With that said, I'm going to turn this portion of the show over to my man, the B-I-double-G, so he can introduce the ladies and get into our show. It's all yours, Big Rich. All right. Thank you very, very much, Brother Ray. Uh, Man, listen, uh, we're always happy to be here uh, to do topics and talk about some different things uh, here um, on the Cypher. Uh, but tonight we have a really special, special treat uh, in that uh, we've got uh, a, a, super, a superb group of ladies that are joining us this evening uh, that are all part of a project that I'm, – I'm getting to my notes. I'm sorry, ladies <laughs> uh, – that yep. is entitled – uh, that is entitled Live Empowerment Now. Live Empowerment Now. And currently I am joined by, I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly, Miss LaDonna P. Grafton. Uh, are you there? Yes, I'm okay. here. She's visionary and entrepreneur. And then Miss Regina Poole. Are you there, Miss Poole? Yes, I am. Good evening. Awesome, awesome, awesome. She's also a co-author on this uh, wonderful project that we're talking about this evening and also founder of Meeting in the Ladies' Room. Um, And then we've got – I'm sorry? Okay, I thought somebody said something. And then uh, we have uh, Miss Victoria Bruce, or should I say the Reverend Victoria Bruce? What what, what would be the proper uh, uh, announcement? Good evening. Um, evangelist or just Victoria Bruce is fine. Okay, Victoria Bruce, preacher, teacher, actress, and singer. Uh, so, so far, <laughs> yes, these, are three, these are three of the five ladies uh, that we have uh, online to join us. Um, if the other two have shown up, uh, please speak up real quick before I continue on. Um Either Ms. Tracy Henderson Smith, who is, of course, the best-selling author, publisher, speaking visionary, and the leader of this project. This is actually her project. She's going on. Then we're also waiting on K.A. Pullings, author, pastor, and founder of Warrior Princess Incorporated. Um, now, let, let me tell you another one of the reasons why I'm really excited that you all are here. 
um, because one of our one of our uh, co-hosts uh, on our show every single morning he puts up something on the Facebook page that always grabs my attention, sort of like a morning devotion or watching the weather or making sure I brush my teeth and go to the bathroom. I always read what he has to say about what's going on. And it's, it's, and I love the coincidence or the energy in the air or whatever that today his, his message started out by saying goals. Not reaching them isn't the true crime. Giving up is. Learning, modifying, and overcoming is the goal. And it goes on and on and on. I, I, I will not take up a lot of time, but that's just the start of it there. And that just kind of lends itself to, and that, by the way, that's DJ Comedic, Timothy Comedic, who wrote those words. I apologize. I, I didn't say your name, brother. And that just kind of lends itself to uh, this, this, this project that you all have helped to put together. So uh, I'll start with you, uh, Ms. Poole. Uh, tell me a little bit about the project and what got you into wanting to be a part of it. Um, thank you so much. Um, what got me into the project is I'm new to the Jacksonville area. I'm originally from Ohio. And back in January, I had the opportunity to um, attend a meeting Tracy was hosting. And I sat in that meeting, and it sounded, and, and, and I felt as if my destiny had collided with my purpose. And it shook me because I said, this is what I need to do. This, this is a vehicle for my voice, and, and how do I do it, and where does she get that from? And I want to be like that. And uh, the opportunity mm-hmm. presented itself for me to tell our sto- my story. We all have a story, and, and all the things we've gone through are not even for us. It's for us to empower someone else. And so... I had to decide, was I going to continue to sit on the sidelines of my life or was I going to get up and go and live empowered? And that's exactly what we did. I think any one of us can testify to the power of how Tracy empowers us and and, and not idolizing Tracy but absolutely giving her 10,000% for being bold and courageous enough to say, listen, for you to, to say that, the God that created you and all his infinite wisdom and greatness made a mistake is just foolishness, and I just can't live with that. You were designed to be great. Mm. You were designed to do something, and you just have to do it, and that's what we've done. That sounds awesome. And, Ms. Grafton, you're having experience being an entrepreneur yourself. Um, how, how do you feel that what what you specialize in uh, adds to the empowerment of, of of people of women and people in general as far as your your portion of the book and your offering. Well, um, as an entrepreneur, I run a holistic and natural hair salon, and I call it affectionately the salon because it's an atmosphere of healing. And so I feel like that lends itself to this project, of course, because I'm hearing. Lots of stories from my clients. They they pour out all the time, all of their inspirational journeys from transitioning to natural hair um, or just going through dealing with, you know, issues in corporate America. And so this project allowed me an opportunity to answer the call um, 
to heal myself, so to speak. So to tell my story required me to just kind of dig and go back to my past and really uncover all those things um, that I learned along the way, all of the setbacks, all of the trials and tribulations that I had experienced on this journey to becoming an entrepreneur and providing the healing services that I do now. So I pray that this book will bless people, empower people, and help them to answer the call that's inside of them to go on to, you know, share whatever brand of healing that they can offer to their community. Absolutely awesome. Uh, thank you, Ms. Graff. And, of course, we have the uh, the co-authors of Live Empowerment Now uh, that are joining us on the site for this evening. You're welcome to call in. And uh, if you have any questions at 818-369-0344, that's 818-369-0344. Now, Ms. Bruce, i got to ask this. Preacher, evangelist, when you're talking about evangelizing, that, of course, is talking about reaching out to other people, how, how encouraging them to reach out to other people as well. So not just stopping with your reaching out, but then having other people reach out to others, and then other people reach out to others. Uh, was that right. kind of your focus in, in in your contribution to this project, or or, or how did you come at at, at, at contributing to this? Okay. Um, well, basically, my contribution is um, dealing with a situation that I was in for about nine years in a in a relationship by taking and basically making a wrong choice that led me down a path of great pain. And it absolutely uh, caused me to be in a stagnant position to where that I was um, not going forth in the call and the anointing that uh, God had equipped me with. And so I I was really sitting, as as Minister Tracy says, I was really sitting on the sidelines. And uh, I had to get to the place where, um, you know, I took my life back and I rose up out of the pit and just began to you know, put one foot in front of the next and realize the abusive situation I was in and make the steps to change it. And so my contribution is uh, called Living Beyond the Scars, and it um, basically just tells a little bit in a, in a snippet of my story and, uh, and gives hope to those who might be in a similar situation and uh, teaches them basically in a nutshell how to rise up out of it and take their life back. Hello. Hello, are we still there? Yeah. Yeah, she just, just finished Big Rich. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'll, I don't know what happened with my connection all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Okay, so, that's okay. So, so, so that's very awesome. Uh, so let me go back to, to, to Ms. Poole here. Tell us real quick, founder of Meeting in the Ladies' Room. Now, I'm 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 gonna go out on a limb and say I'm probably older than you, and I remember I a song it. back in the day. I, I remember a song it. back in the day <laughs> that uh that that they used to party to in the club when I was working. Uh-huh. Uh, called meeting in the ladies' room. Uh huh. Uh oh. Yes, sir. Do you remember that song? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Sir. <laughs> but but tell but but tell me about that. Tell me about your your uh, meeting in the ladies' room. So meeting in, the, meeting in the ladies' room is about that is the place where we air our stuff. That is the place where we confront our fears. And most of the time, our fears are rooted in the thing that looks back at us in the mirror. 
So when I talk about meeting in the ladies' room, it's a place, it's a forum, it's a, um, it's a platform for us to just talk some real grown women stuff. We talk about everything from infidelity and your culpability in the infidelity to how to get on your goal, how to find your grind, how to establish yourself when there is nobody applauding for you. How do you do that? And those are the secret mm. things we talk about in the ladies' room. Good. Um, it is it is not always something that we put out in the open. The ladies' room is that place of your secret where you feel safe. Um, I'm 1,000% a no-judge zone, so there's not much I haven't heard. And so um, it's, it's that place that I find that women can say, you know, Miss Regina, this is what I did, this is why I did it, but how do I move beyond it? And that's what we figure out. Ladies, ladies, when it comes to talking about uh, getting off the sidelines, when it comes to talking about uh, empowering oneself, um, and, and and I'll start with you. Um, I'll start with you. Hey, uh, Rich, Rich, hold, Rich, hold, Rich, hold on one second before okay. you um, go into okay. that. Okay. Did you um, did you acknowledge uh, Ka pulling? She's also on the line. I did not. I'm, thank you so much. Ms. Pullings, you're here. Yes, I'm here. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now to join along with others, alongside of the other ladies we have this evening, we have uh, Kay Pullings, author, pastor, and founder of The Warrior Princess Incorporated. So, I'm going to back away from my the question I was about to ask just now and and uh, and sort of just get a uh, get a little bit from you here, Miss Pullings. Um, what got you into wanting to be a part of this project uh, that Tracy put together? Um, I realized that throughout my life, I've noticed how fear has played a major part in my life, and how it's always been a part or something that's tried to hinder me from getting ahead. And I've seems like what I've noticed is that people that have gone through or dealt with fear, most likely have survived something. And for me, I've survived being a single parent. I've survived working um, during 9-11 in New York. I'm originally from New York, but I now reside in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, so being a part of this project, I wanted to begin to start talking about those things because after um, going through 9-11, I wind up dealing with some uh, some medical issues, which is PTSD um, and being a single parent and, and going into a homeless shelter, just different things would come up that would cause some type of fear or something that would kind of hold us back. And I got to a point where I just got set up and I said, you know what, I'm not going to let these things control my life. I'm not going to um, begin to take over and cause me to stand still and be stagnant and be always questioning and wondering why won't I go, you know, but I know I should go. Even when God tells you to go, I still would sit there and be like, nah, I'm not sure if I want to go and do that. But you know what? I stopped asking for permission and I started just doing the things that I knew that I was supposed to do and what I was called to do. That's awesome. And um, tell us a little bit about, I see you're the founder of Warrior Princess Incorporated. 
Yes, Warrior Princesses is a women's ministry. It's basically set up so that women that have gone through different challenges in life, whether it's been situations like me where I've worked in law enforcement and I've gone through disaster-type situations like you have what's going on in uh, Houston right now, um, it, I could never even imagine something like that. But I have gone through 9-11, and I've served in 9-11. So, um whether it's just life, whatever life events that we've, we've endured, I want people to know that they have an identity, that they have a purpose, and there's a plan for their life. And whatever we can do to help them love them through that and help them come out of that. So I look at it from the point of a whole, it's a whole person. It's, we look at it from a health standpoint, whether it's exercise or how we eat. I have um, myself, I'm, I'm now on, I'm a personal development coach as well as a, a biblical counselor. So I do have both sides. I look at it from both sides as well. If people have a corporate at, at, uh, or if people have a, a, a thing that they're trying to do as far as work is related, they want to go back and they, they're trying to get their careers together. We want to be, we want to have um, something in place to help prepare them for that. But we also want to deal with issues if they have things that are coming up that they need counseling for. So we want to be able to give them all types of access to all types of things in one place. And that's really what Warrior Princess is about. I do Bible studies. I do um, whatever it is that's needed is pretty much is what I do. Awesome. That is so awesome. Uh, Again, we are interviewing the co-authors of Live. Empowered Now, a project by Tracy Henderson Smith. We're talking to LaPonda P. Grafton, Regina Poole, Victoria Bruce, and K.A. Pullings. Uh, right here on the cipher, uh, if you have any questions, you're welcome to call in at 818-369-0344. That's 818-369-0344. Ms. Grafton, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, and this question is for all the ladies, but I'll start with Ms. Grafton. Um. 2017, bullying, um, uh, chastising, shaming, body shaming, uh, gender shaming. When you talk about living empowered, how do we how do we transfer that message to the younger younger generation? And at the same time, try to encourage them to be a kinder generation and be in power. Well, I have a 14-year-old, soon-to-be 15-year-old daughter who is in her first year of high school. And I have to constantly remind her, as well as myself, to, you know, give grace not only to others but herself and to understand that just during life's transitions, it's okay to just you know, just be patient with who you are and to offer empathy to others. Everybody's on a different journey and a different path than you are on. And, and you're just showing compassion is like a lost art, right? So I just feel like sometimes I have to rein her in away from, you know, the noise of what's being taught socially and culturally and to show her, um, you know, what it means to have compassion, not just for others, but for self. And, and she's really good about that. Honestly, She's teaching me a lot, you know, as an adult and, you know, kind of growing up with some of the, you know, norms that we've been taught. But she is a very compassionate child. She is, you know, a young lady, I should say now, 
part getting used to her being 15 or almost 15. But she is the type of person who will remind me that, you know, mom, you know, people shouldn't treat others this way or people shouldn't body shame or, you know, I guess the word that they're using now, like slut shaming or just making people feel bad about their appearance. And I'm so proud of the young lady that she is. I'm so proud of her circle of friends um, that she's around because it begins at home. And so prayerfully what her father and I have instilled in her will exceed and, you know, just travel through the circle. The people that they impact on a daily basis, um, they'll lead the way um, in the charge of showing their generation of how to be compassionate, hold space for people, um, and just be a loving generation, which I feel like a lot of times that's missing in our interactions with one another. We need to start treating people how we want it, how we would like to be treated. Absolutely, absolutely. Ms. Poole, same question. Um, one of the things uh, when when I talk about when you when you mention all of that stuff, the first thing I think is you have to reset your definition of success. And the reason body shaming and all of these things come into play is because we base our level of success on what the social media or TV or people who don't even know us tell us what success should be. And so I'm the mother of three mm. children, one of which is, on an, which is on the spectrum. And every single day they are my heroes because they have found I didn't even have to tell them what a go button was. My son, who is now 15 years old, an honor roll student, who I was told would never talk or be in, in, in regular classes every single day, reminds me of what great is. My daughters, um, who are very strong and, and, and precocious, I might add, um, remind me <laughs> every single day of what great is. And you know what, Mom, that's what they say, but let's, let's show them how we do it. Who are we? You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. um, the body shaming thing and the guilt and the truth of the matter is most of these people that we allow to have a greater influence in the lives of our, of our young women and our young men, number one, are living lives themselves, and number two, have never had the opportunity to have a real conversation and someone just say to them, what's wrong? How can I help you? How can I serve you? And so we reset in my household the expectation of what success is, and we redefine great every single morning. If your great is the fact that you are a size 12, then let that be great. But if your great is that you're a size 22, then, honey, work that 22 until somebody else wants to be a 22 with you. Whatever it is, it, it, that, that, that kind of stuff is silly. And so mm. they redef- my children redefine great. I like to call it I'm eradicating silly. Because my grandma used to always tell me I'm from I'm from originally from Ohio, but my grandmother is a little four foot eleven thing from Meridian, Mississippi, and I can remember being this little girl in Cincinnati, Ohio, with these big legs and this red hair and this red skin, and people used to talk about me and, and tell me I had Popeye legs, and she used to say to me, "Baby, remember this: men like meat and dogs like bones," and that is <laughs> that is up with me my whole life. I've never desired to turn sideways and I go missing. And I'm not shaming anyone who does that. I'm saying don't shame me because when I walk I make the earth move. That's all I'm saying. Okay. 
well, well, well. <laughs> don't don't shame know, me for right? that because because sin doesn't mean perfect and sin doesn't mean happy. Mm, I'm okay then. All right. Ask Taylor uh, and Holly. I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, Miss <laughs> Bruce, uh, talking about being able to translate to the younger generation about how to be empowered, but at the same time teach them to be a kinder and a more loving generation. What would you? What would your words be? Absolutely. Um, I would you know, certainly encourage them to. Um, just embrace who they are, um, you know, understanding basically to love oneself first uh, is imperative before you can really embrace and love someone else. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that you can embrace people for who they are and not always for what they do. You know, people are not defined by what they do. They're defined by who they are and whose they are. And, um we, we, we often, you know, shun away from the people that we really should be embracing. Um, and, you know, I would just encourage them to, number one, um, recognize their value and their true worth. Uh, and it's not um, basically wrapped around just what they can do. Or the perf- I grew up uh, always doing performance-based things, and so I grew up with a slanted, um, mentality that I had to outperform and I had to outdo and um, outsing and outpreach and all of those things until I realized one day back in 2000 that my my do was not connected to my who that God loved me in spite of all of my gifts or my talents and and they really didn't charm him the way that they charmed myself and so I really had to empty out of myself and uh, just submit it all to God and and humbled myself before him. And, um, you know, I, I just, um, I would encourage everyone that, uh, especially the younger generation, to to not get on that tread wheel of performance um, and that gerbil wheel of performance, but just be who they are and love themselves uh, right where they're at and uh, understand that they're just a, a work in progress and, and they'll get to their destiny uh, one step at a time. Okay, thank you so much. Awesome. Kay Pullings, I'm going to come to you in just a second with the same question. Uh, but first, it is, whew, almost takes my breath away when I say her whole name. Three-time best-selling author, publisher, speaker, visionary, and the leader of this project, Live Woo. Empowered Now. Miss Tracy Henderson-Smith, welcome, 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 welcome. Yes, hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Hey, Tracy. Good. Hi. We love you, Tracy. Oh, I love you guys, too. And, Rich, thank you so much. Thank you and all the guys so much for having us on tonight, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. You know it's always a pleasure. Well, it is an honor for us to have you all on. It has been a tremendous pleasure speaking to these other four amazing ladies. And, and, and having spoke to them first and now speaking to you last, let me just go ahead and ask you the question now. How did you get these five remarkable people together in one place to put together this remarkable project? How did you make well, it? Well, 
Well, I have to say it has truly been a blessing to um, be on this journey with these ladies. As everyone has heard, um, they are truly remarkable young ladies. And, and one of the things that has blessed me personally so much is uh, how they have believed in me and believed in, in, in the vision. Living Power Now um, really has become a movement. And the book, Living Power Now, uh, really is a a love child or is a spinoff of something that happened in my life personally. Um, you know, I, you kind of know the history in terms of, you know, me seeing that I was truly called to do, uh, writing mm-hmm. and, and creating, mm-hmm. writing books, and, and as you have stated, becoming a best, best-selling author. And what happened in my life personally was that I made a decision, a decision to choose me, and I discovered that that was okay and that everybody else would be okay with me choosing me. And I stepped into what I knew that I knew that I knew about myself, all that I knew that I was, all that I knew I possessed, all that was always in me to give, but I had held back uh you know, placed me and my gifts and my vision on the back burner. And I had played small for so long to give other people the opportunity to shine. And I made a decision that that was over. And when I stepped into, uh, when I came off the back burner myself and stepped into the forefront, my life just took off in a way that I always knew was possible, but in a way that I had been held back from either be it because of other people's actions or words or because of my own fear and insecurities. And once I said goodbye to that life and yes to this present life, something else happened in me. I wanted to share that with other people. I wanted Mm. to have other people understand what was on the other side of the nose. And I, because mm-hmm. I personally realized that, every, that that the only no that had ever really mattered in my life was the no that I had told myself. And once I stopped telling myself no and I started telling myself yes, the amount of freedom that came into my life. I I am truly living my best life now. I am never doing anything else. I don't ever want to be in, in another place other than the life that I am living right now. And I realized that I can't possibly be the only one. And I wanted to share that with other people. And so I started teaching that. I started hosting workshops. I started really, really pushing the platform, the idea of living, truly living, and living your best, most empowered life, and then doing that right now. No more waiting. We're going to do it now. Whatever it is that you desire, whatever your hopes and dreams have been, and I don't care if it's if it was a three-year dream or a thirty-year dream. Let's get it done. And so I stepped forward and said, um, "This is how I'm living my life. Who's with me?" And these wonderful ladies, uh, in addition to some other, we, there are actually sixteen contributors to this book. Uh, these oh, ladies great. stepped up and said said, you know, I'm down with that, and I have chosen to live my best life now. And so when I presented the opportunity to them to create this book, uh, the purpose of the book is not only for them to tell their stories and talk about all the things that have ever held them back 
the things that kept them bondage and all the reasons why they never moved forward or never stepped out or never came out of the shadows into the light. Yes, they talk about that, but they also talk about that that pivotal turning point, uh, uh, the 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 point of no return, the decision to to make a switch and to move forward and step into their dreams. But then they also offer practical application because the point is to teach other people how to do the same thing. And I'm telling you, it's just been a blessing to come in contact with such dynamic women. And as I stated, there are 16 of them. Um, that have such powerful stories. We're talking about stay-at-home moms who who change their thinking from I'm just a wife, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, to they are the CEO of their homes and they run their homes like a business. They have built a business off of teaching their children at home and now have people following them. You have entrepreneurs. You have, as you've talked to tonight, uh, preachers and teachers who have just broadened their scope and increased their realm of thinking, and they've come out of the box, and they've created these large platforms that have invited other people to come in and partake of this freedom, of this liberty. And it's just, it's been such a powerful movement. I have people that are old enough to be my grandmother contacting me saying, thank you for making me feel that I've not been left behind. Thank you for making me feel that it is not too late. I just got an email today, a 77-year-old woman who has her vision board out, and she's dreaming again. It is a truly, truly powerful movement. And I'm so proud of these ladies. I really, really am. Uh, and I'm so thankful for them. That is so awesome. The name of the book is Living Powered Now. Tracy Henderson Smith, we are chatting with co-authors K.A. Pulling, Victoria Bruce, Regina Poole, and LaDonna P. Grafton, just four of many other contributors to this project. Ladies, I want to ask this question before we wrap up. Um, I think this last question is so very important. And having spoken with you all, I, I feel that you all can offer something important. Uh, the state of our of our country is is a is is one of powder keg right now, and uh, on many different fronts. Um, and the um, that 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 stem you were supposed has been to stay, lit. you were supposed to stay from many sides, Big Rich, from many sides. I, no, sir, don't don't make me don't make me do that, sir. I was not gonna say that. <laughs> I was not gonna say that. Don't don't leave me down that road. Uh, a, a lot of different things, a lot of different issues that are going on in the in the in the country, and and it's now a powder keg. Um, I do believe that a lot of the reasons that there's so much hate and 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 so much distrust and so much misunderstanding is because there are a lot of people who are not empowered. And there are a lot of people who don't understand just what their worth can be as a human, loving human being in the society. So let me ask this question. What is a way that you can tell a person in today's nation how to start to become and to become more empowered? Uh, Ms. Pulling, we'll start with you. Uh, what what do you think what do you think the words you would have could say to help to help heal our nation, even if it's just something that heals one person? What could you say? 
I think that if we take the time to look at each other as people and not allow fear to step in and not allow the fact that there are people that have been disenfranchised from the whole United States um, in many different ways and learn to together and maybe work together, um, I think that people don't really come close to one another until they know that that person really truly cares. And I think a lot of the stuff that is going on in, our, in this climate that we have is because we're so separated. We've already been divided. And we can, they, there's ways that are going on now that are still allowing that to happen. But we need to be the ones to say, okay, no, let's have those conversations. Let's be able to have these discussions and not be offended. Let's be able to love each other where we are and whatever, whatever we believe and give each, chance, each, each other a chance to hear each other out, to work together, to find ways to help each other overcome these situations. So for me, it's more like um, really just having those conversations. Because I, I, I go to a predominantly mixed church. I'm around my, my friends, are predominantly mixed friends. But I'm not going to say that I haven't had friends that have offended me or have not offended me. I have friends who have offended me. I have people that I've cut off because of their conversation during the election. But what I also have tried to do is have conversations. And I've tried to build those bridges and to make sure that we don't burn them because I think it's important. I think it's, all, it's really important for us to be able to come together. But we can't do that unless we know each other cares about each other. There's some compassion there each other. I think that there's a state of fear that's been put and impressed on people um, in ways that it's it, it, sickening from what we're seeing, especially with everything that went on in Charlottesville, um, as well as we have a people that are, being, are still being oppressed, you know, and it's our people that are being oppressed, and we really have to look at that. And truth and love is important. We have to tell the truth. We have to start talking about what's really going on. And until we're ready to do that, there, there, unfortunately, in my mind, there's not going to be enough change happening. But when we're ready to step in and say, you know what, enough is enough. And that's what I love about, we were talking about kids and what could we do about the, 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 the um, talking about the shaming of the body and this. My thing is what I've noticed from my kids is that our kids are standing up and saying, no, they're not going for this stuff. And that, and I think they're all part and part. So we, even what we're teaching our kids, kids is important. You know, what we're sharing with them about what we've endured. When we, I was born in 1969, so I grew up in the 70s, you know. So my thing is we need to have those conversations with our children. We need to use the influence that we have within our circles to make a change and, ha- and be change agents in the season. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Ms. Poole, same question. Um, I really think it begins with having courageous conversations, as as, as K.A. said. She, she didn't say it like that, but that's what she's driving at. You have to have courageous conversations and not be afraid. The thing that breeds um, chaos, the thing that breeds resentment, the thing that breeds discord is fear, whether it's a fear of your having the conversation, whether it's the fear of addressing it, because basically at the end of the day, all of our human needs are the same. We want to be appreciated and we want to be safe. And when either of those two things are, when you perceive either of those two things to be um, at risk, 
you begin to act out of character. And if you don't surround yourself by people, real people, true people, and I'm going to tell this story, and I hope she doesn't get mad at me. Tracy is the truest of the realest of the true that I've ever met. And Tracy said to me one day, Regina, you just got to do it, and it don't even matter what nobody else thinks. You just got to stop caring. And that's just where I am with it, and I don't care how you feel about it. And in that brief one minute of conversation, that shifted my mindset. Because if I don't truly represent myself, anything that comes to me from that is a result of my not being honest with myself. You understand what I'm saying? And so Mm -hmm. we have to have those courageous conversations. We have to present ourselves, whatever ourselves, whatever that may be, whatever that may be, you still have to be real with it because at the end of the day, we all want to be safe. We all want to be appreciated. And right now, the climate of the country and what you see coming back from this country is a group of people, and it's not everybody. I'm not so foolish to believe it's everybody. It's just the noisy ones that don't feel safe and they don't feel appreciated and they feel shunned and they feel like time has passed them by. That is what's representing themselves right now. The fact that they've looked at the world and it's changed and it doesn't look like them anymore, that's what you see representing itself. But if the world never did look like you, you were just foolish enough to believe that you were the world. Mm. And so that's mm. Miss Bruce, same question. Yes. Um, well, I believe that if we spent more time focusing on our commonalities and not our differences, that we would absolutely go into a new level in society. Um, Unfortunately, there is still such a high level of racism, um, and it's devastating. Uh, It's challenging our society. And, um, you know, but we truly are one nation under God, and uh, we're, we're neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And, um, you know, when we get to that place where we recognize a person, uh, not by the color of their skin, as Dr. Martin Luther King said, but by the content of their character, um, we will find that unity and we will find that commonality. And and the tolerance to be able to love one another as, as, you know, Christ called us to, to show ourselves as his disciples by our love. And uh, that's that's what's going to win this world. It's not our hatred. It's not our division. It's not our differences. It's our love one for another. Absolutely. I've always said, and I will continue to say until I go into my grave, I'm fighting for team love. Team, I'm Absolutely. fighting for the rest of my life. I'm fighting for team love. Ms. Grafton, I, I, I will let you have the, the, the final answer to this question, my dear. How can What, what can <laughs> you say that can – help uh, those that may feel like they're not recognized uh, to be to, to be more empowered and realize their worth and can then help to make the world better? Well, I think the very definition of the word empower means to give authority or the power to do something. Mm. And we have to realize that we have Ooh. to start standing in our authority to speak out against the spirit of fear and divisiveness that drives you know, the state of affairs in our country right now. And so I just really feel like it's time to start liberating ourselves from the fear that we have, the misconceptions that we have, the stereotypes. And once we overcome that and, you know, not be bound by what other people think of us, we have a voice to speak out against that. And we have to start envisioning 
and then becoming the change that we wish to see. And I think it starts with self. And I think I love what Victoria said, you know, the God in us will lead the way. And I think that, um, you know, we just have to recognize our own power within us to come together aside from all of the division and just show up, show up for people with compassion and love because it's in us to do it. I just think we just got to start standing in our our authority. And, mm. and that's how you empower. Mm. Standing in our authority. LaDonna P. Grafton, Regina Poole, Victoria Bruce, K.A. Pullings, four of the contributors to Tracy Henderson Smith's project, Live Empowered Now. Um, let me tell you something, Tracy. If, 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 if just these 30-some-plus minutes, I've been disencouraged. I can only imagine what they have added to your entire book uh, and people that, get to, people that get to know them on a day-to-day basis. Um, Listen, these are some, these ahead, are some powerful, these are some powerful, powerful ladies, and they are um, a portion of the whole. This book is going to be uh, so moving and so powerful. And again, the title of it is Live Empowered Now, an empowering collective on coming off the sidelines and finding your go button in life. I want everyone to go to liveempoweretnow-thebook.com. Um, and we're in our pre-sale season right now, our pre-sale campaign. Uh, we're very much looking forward to this book coming out uh, this fall. But if any of these ladies have moved you in any way, you enjoyed their stories, please go to liveempoweretnow-thebook.com and uh, find out more about them, read about them and the other co-authors. And please feel free to click on any of their links and you can purchase your get your pre-sale make your pre-sale purchase uh directly with any any, uh, any of these ladies and uh again i cannot thank you enough for uh for having us if you want to know more about the live empower now movement you can follow us on facebook at live empower now uh, and that's live empower now with an exclamation point you will get your daily dose of motivation and empowerment it's also um, a huge with resources. We have a ton of resources that we provide. Our entire uh, uh, existence consists of helping people come out of the shadows and step into the light, and whatever we can do to help you make that happen. Uh, you are challenged on a daily basis. We have um, everything from grant writers to web developers to graphic artists to photographers to uh, you know, uh, attorneys and bookkeepers, people who can, you know, write contracts for you. What is it that you need? And if you're interested in writing, you can definitely contact me at liveempoweredpub.com uh, because, uh, I'll, you know, this book is being printed under my publishing company's imprint, Live Empowered Publishing. Uh, so those of you who are interested in, in writing, please, please make contact with me. And let me say this, Living Power Now, uh, this particular book is the first installment of a series. So we plan to be around for quite a while. There will always be a Living Power Now um, in the works. And so the next one is due out in February, and that one is Living Power Now 
self-love as a substance. And if anyone is interested in being a part of that project, they can contact me at anthologies at liveempoweredpub.com. Anthologies at liveempoweredpub.com. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, a mo- Not only a book, but a movement, uh, an inspiration of epic proportions from uh, Tracy Henderson Smith and these four wonderful ladies that were with her, K.A. Pullings, Victoria Bruce, Regina Poole, and LaDonna P. Greft. Thank you, Grefton, excuse me. Thank you all so, so, so much for blessing us here in the Cypher. And, uh, and and just taking a few minutes out to talk with our uh, with our audience, and we really Thank appreciate you. you, ladies. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Brad. I will turn it. I will turn it back over to you, and uh, you're welcome to. Uh, I mean, the ladies, you're welcome to stick around because now we get into the meat of our show. The you know we want to feature you all first, uh, but then we will be talking about some other topics and things. And uh, I'll let Brother Ray take it back over. Thank you, Brother Ray, for letting me do this. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Uh, uh, again, uh, anybody wanting to call in, whether you want to ask one of the uh, ladies a question, either join us in the cipher. You can do so by hitting us up at 818-369-0344. That's 818-369-0344. Usually at this point of the show, we would take a nice little musical break here. But I want to ask any of the ladies, did any of you plan on sticking around for some of the discussions we have coming up, or are you all exit stage left here post the interview? Um, I can I can stay on for a few minutes. This is Victoria. Okay, who's that? Victoria. Victoria. Oh, okay. And also, one other question I had. Uh, I heard earlier when Rich was doing the introductions, are there one, two, or several of you that are pastors or some head of a church? Yeah. Um, I I am primarily in evangelism, not uh, pastoring any longer. That's Victoria? Yes. Okay. Anybody else? Because the reason I'm asking is because I actually have a church question coming up uh, when we come back from break. And I'm pretty sure you probably know where I'm going with it because it's been in on social media and in the news uh, the last uh, yeah <laughs> the last couple of days and hours. I want to uh, get somebody in the church thoughts on this, and it actually goes into another question. I'd really like to get someone in the church opinion on. So, anybody else sticking around other than uh, Miss Bruce, Regina, Lana, Ka? K.A. Pullins is staying around. K.A. is staying around, okay. Regina is staying around. Madonna, Regina? Huh? Regina is staying around. Okay, cool. All right. We're going to take a break real quick, ladies. And since we do have you ladies up here, I want to play a song that I think uh, empowers my beautiful sisters out here of every shade and ethnicity. I'm sure you ladies have heard this song more than once. So let's get into this, and when we come back in 3.5, we're going to get into more discussions. This is The Cypher.
Yes, that was Jill Scott with Golden, an empowering classic. Love that song right there. Once again, we want to welcome everybody back to The Cypher. Big Rich has just finished an interview with Tracy Henderson-Smith, as well as Regina Poole, LaDonna Pete Grafton, Victoria Bruce, and K.A. Pullings on their project, Live Empowered Now. So they're going to stick around here while we get into some discussions. And as I started at the top of the show, we sent uh, our thoughts and prayers out to the uh, victims of that Hurricane Harvey that hit sub- southeastern Texas um, over the last four days and all the uh, water that they're under there. But one of the stories that came out of that uh, tragedy is one pertaining to a church in proximity, a church uh, pretty much that's pastored by Joel, how do you pronounce his name, Osteen or Osteen? Osteen. Somebody, Osteen, okay. Joel Osteen, yeah, he's the megachurch pastor in Texas, Lakewood Church, has come under a lot of uh, media and social media News media and social media scrutiny when this uh, when the flooding started for not opening his Lakewood church to flood victims. Now, as the story goes, and it has changed at least twice since uh, it came out. He said that uh, the reason he didn't offer seats in his church uh, by those displaced by Harvey is that. Uh, Nobody asked him. He said he said the city didn't ask them to become a shelter. Initially, his story was, as it was reported, that they themselves were uh, flooded, and hence why they weren't uh, allowed to take in any of the uh, displaced. He said that their building was inaccessible due to flooding. But once a picture surfaced on social media showing that the church was not flooded, Oh, man, that's when the real floodgates opened with regards to his excuse. So I want to get uh, the ladies' thoughts here because this is something that has always uh, baffled me. Of course, you can give your thoughts about uh, Mr. Osteen and his response to that, but there's a second part of the question that I want to ask, and I saw this being debated. There was a um, big thing going on, uh, I want to say maybe a couple of months ago, where certain pastors of churches or religious leaders were stating that they wanted to be able to engage their congregation in backing a certain certain political, you know, candidate. In other words, they wanted to talk politics from the pulpit. Now, of course, we know with regards to separation of church and state, which is why churches don't pay uh, taxes, that you know, that would seem sort of contradictory. You know, hey, you want to endorse or, you know, back a certain political candidate from the pulpit. Well, hey, if you're going to go that route, then why not just treat churches like it is as a business and tax them? So I want to ask that question as well for those of you um, in the church or part of a church. Do you feel that churches should be taxed, especially when you look at how a lot of them are ran, when you look at these megachurches, I think that's still a uh, that's still a non-issue. Um, 
any of ladies, feel free. And like I said, uh, weigh in with the uh, Joel Osteen situation as well. Who wants to be the first to uh, answer that? Well, I guess I'll, I'll start talking. This is uh, K.A. Okay. Um, hey, I'm very careful in regards to certain things like that because I feel like we have a lot of stuff that's pushed on social media, and you'll see pictures, and they're like, well, where these pictures come from? And people were doing videos, and they're – they're giving out their various reasons for why they didn't move as fast as they did. Some people said one thing, some people said another. Um, but my whole thing is he opened the doors at this point. He said that at some point he was doing uh, some type of distribution. Um, they already had a history of flooding in the last flood. My only concern is, and I, for me personally, I wouldn't have wanted him to open it, and that's just for me personally because I've endured tragic situations like that. And then when you look at the situation that happened in with Katrina in New Orleans, they opened up the Superdome, and people were dying in the stairways because they were not only were they in a place that was not really suitable for them, but there was just no supervision, there was no protection, there was there was a lot of things going on. So when you're in this type of situation, I think sometimes we have to focus on what really matters. And I think the fighting, the infighting, the going back and forth, it's not really productive. Um, there's certain, there was pastors that had something to say. I mean, at some point I was just like, you know what, stop arguing, stop fighting, stop going back and forth, send money, send clothes, go down there, do something, be quiet. And that's just the way that I thought about it. It, it. I didn't really care whether he could get him in or he couldn't get him in. The whole purpose is that people are down there and they're suffering. And there's this big debate on social media about it. You know, I just think it kind of takes away from what's really going on down there. Okay. All right. Anybody else have an opinion on the uh, Osteen situation? I think oh. this is Regina. I'm sorry. I think the only thing I would say and that we should all be hey, I think the only thing I would say and that we should all be mindful of is that pastors are people and people have flaws. So whatever the reasons were that he did what he did and why he's doing it now and, and all of that, at the end of the day, the bottom line is there is a people, a group of people in need at the end of the day. Um and and we we have to, as the church, have to stop putting our place, putting pastors in a place where they feel where we feel that they can't make mistakes. That's not even Bible. Every great leader in the Bible made mistakes. If you follow it, if you've read the whole thing, now you might have your choice scriptures, but if you follow the whole thing, all the great leaders <laughs> made mistakes, and so we. If, if if Moses made a mistake and if David made a mistake and if, if if Samuel made mistakes, why wouldn't Joel Osteen? That's all I'm saying. Okay. We can't. They're not. Oh a, they're not. They're not infallible. Okay. That's a good point. Okay, I see both Victoria and Ladonna have dropped from us. Tracy, do you have a uh, opinion on that? 
What are you doing? Um, to be honest, I really don't have a whole lot to say on it, and here's why. I wasn't there. There's so mm-hmm. much okay. that has been said. Um, so much that has been said from both sides, and we know mm-hmm. how um, the media can carry a story. We know how uh, stories are fueled by people's emotions and opinions. Uh, I did see the gentleman that was walking around with his commentary uh, and his camera, um, you know, videotaping, and that's certainly a, a very strong, you know, point to his side of the coin. But then I also heard uh, Pastor Osteen's commentary, and I thought that he offered a strong view. And the bottom line is I wasn't there to bear witness to either side, so there's not a whole lot that I can say about it. I think in general um, we have to have humanity at the forefront of our thinking, and we have to uh, consider uh, – we have to consider, uh, uh, you know, that people are people – but let us not forget that this is a tragic situation. There are people who are in need. And do I do I believe that if you are in a position to help, that you should help? I certainly do. Do I know whether or not Pastor Osteen made a conscious decision to not help? I have no idea. Uh, but in general, my vote will always be. Uh, to to help those that are in need, and that's really all I have to say about it. Okay, okay. Big Rich and and yes, sir, and 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 along and along with that, um, I, you know, the the most honest answer I can give on that is just like what Tracy just said. You know, I wasn't there. Don't really know what the real what the what 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 the real initial. Um, statement was as far as Lakewood Church being being uh, well, offered as as a resource. However, his, his initial uh, say thing, initial statement, oh, Rich, on, according on. to okay. before you say that, I was going to say there are initial statements that said that the church was being the church was flooded. That he that that he could not that he could not um uh, open up the doors. Whereas there are people in Osteen's camp, including Osteen himself, who said that he never said that, and he said he said that he's had flooding issues, but he never said that. But he never said that it was not available. They show pictures where someone has walked up and video where someone has walked up showing that the doors are locked and the church is not flooded. There have been pictures that have been released that show where there's areas in the church that were flooded. See that 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 was the point that I wanted to say. I've I've seen and read things on both sides. What I do know though, and I do think about, and I believe it was uh Miss Pullings who, who spoke on it first, and that was the thing that I was gonna say, not necessarily defending Osteen's intentions, because I don't know what his intentions were. But when you start to deal with large-scale structures like that, huge venues like that, where you want to start to house many, many people, uh, where that part of a church being a business that we talk about sometimes, Ray, where that comes in, that would be one of those places. Because that church is going to have to assume liability 
for any and all lives that it chooses to take under its roof and house. And something that big can't just be done on a whim. You can't just say, open up the doors and come in. You've got to make sure that your, that your facility is prepared to receive that many numbers of people. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes that may take a while. So, you know, that's not something that in five minutes we can go down and open the doors and everybody just come on in. Because all you need is for one person, one person, to slip and fall somewhere that they want you to. And then the next thing you know, it's what on social media, it's the church let everybody in. It was dangerous. And they, and they never should let the people come in there. It's, a, it's never going well, you to know be what I find what I find interesting in that statement you just made, Big Rich, is that throughout, you know, and there are some people who are looking at or thinking about the business or the bottom line, you know, and thinking about whether or not to help someone. And I saw a number of people with businesses, um, other houses of worship, that just opened their doors without regard to, you know, an insurance issue or bottom line or you worried about that, somebody Ray. getting You don't know that. You don't know thinking. that. You don't know that, Ray. You don't know that. So you can't say they did it without regard for anything. You don't know that. That's why I'm saying that, that we don't know that the church just, just said, nope, we're not letting people in. And if they did say no, we're someone. Anytime you have two different stories coming out of a camp, first stating that, you know, the place was flooded, second stating that we weren't asked to help with uh, displaced victims, I mean, come on. It, it, that's, that's some Trumpism right there. You know, be, be direct. Don't sit up there and flip-flop one minute, say one thing, and then say something 180, 180-degree opposite the next minute. Because... Can I, me, can, I interject, can I interject for a second? Let me share something with sure. you in, in regards to that. One thing that I know that it has occurred after, nine, uh, not after 9, well, after 9-11, but also during Katrina, is that the federal government had put in place certain things, and it's called the Incident Command Program or System. And the way that they set that up is that these are things that have been set up long before incidents like this happen or, or disasters like this have happened so that they would be prepared. So they had things in place, people in place, militaries in place. And it's, it's not just um, a federal program, it's city, state, federal, and it's a part of the emergency management system. It, it has, everybody plays a part. So when it comes down to that and when this happened, a lot of people don't know that. So sometimes we speak and we speak out of ignorance because we don't know the backside of what's really going on with these things happen. Just like they said, hey, we have the military on on guard. They've been on standby ever since, but we're waiting for the governor to say that he needs us. But they, because they already know what things need to be in place. So certain things are happening and moving, but because people are silent and they may not be saying anything, or in this case, so too many people are speaking, Sometimes when you have too many teeth in one pot, it you know, it ruins it. You know, so you have to look at that aspect of it. It's just so much information that was thrown out, how much of it was true, how much of it is, is based on emotion, and how much is really based on what really needs to be done so that it can be effective. 
there's a difference between just people doing things and things being very effective and not being um, things that wind up putting people in harm's way. I've heard a lot of things about this, this stadium or this, um, this place where his church is at, where it's, it's the majority of it is underground, people that I know that have been there. And they said the majority of it is underground. So they are, there are some concerns that when they had a flood the last time that it would flood. They don't want to put people in there and they're housing them. There's no bathrooms. There's no showers. There's none of that there for them. There's concerns for that. So I do think that it, it, it's kind of blown out of proportion, but I also think that when we speak and we don't have all the information, I think that it, it becomes a problem. I never really, I don't really talk about it for the most part because one thing the Bible teaches us is that the Bible teaches you should know the both sides of a matter before you really discuss it and give your opinion on it. And I think mm. that's why I really don't get into those discussions when they're like, well, he did this and they did that. I'm like, well, I don't know what was said. You can't know. It's too much stuff that's out there, and I have yet to see the original postings or the original statements that were made ever. I haven't. I just seen everything. People just re- re- repeating, you know, what's been told, and the story changes each and every hour. Mm. Here's what I'm not hearing, either from Joel Austin, from his, from 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 either from his church, from. Uh, from from himself, you know, or who, whoever you know uh, uh, makes public, you know, announcements or, or, or speak or speaks for them that that considering um, the location of where their church is, the size of their church or the, the size of the church is roughly they they can fit, uh, you know, sixteen seventeen thousand in there, right? So let's just say fifteen thousand of that, or let's say ten thousand of that. Um, are regular members that are in the church that are, that that you know that that visit the church on a regular basis. Um, so you're pretty much really nestled in into that community. You're probably serving however many communities that are in that 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 are in or around that neighborhood. What I haven't heard from that campus, even though we may not have been able to open our doors. Um, we're still serving our members and our, and, and our communities that we are, that, that we are in. We're making sure that our members are okay. We touching base, calling, uh, uh, we're making sure certain resources are available to at least, if not everyone, at least to those that are personally affected, that, that are, that are personally affected by us that come and and worship and praise with us that are members of us, right? So that's what I'm not hearing. Even though you're on the ground floor, you're on, for for lack of a better term, uh, ground zero. Um, I'm not hearing that that we that, that our different ministries that work that that work within <clears throat> within that church are either are either reaching out or working with these communities to try to keep or try to keep intact some of the families that are infected, that, that are that are affected, not infected, I'm sorry, 
that, that are affected uh, try to keep, you know, just some clean water, clothing, food, you know, w- whatever the case, uh, uh, w- w- whatever resources are necessary to try to bring some type of normalcy uh, out, out of the situation. That's what I'm not hearing. And that's what I, that, that's what I don't hear or see. Um, and maybe because I, I and, and 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 which which is probably my bad because I don't I don't dig too much into into some of uh, uh or, or do some of the research going into some of these some of these mega churches that we have or, or, or that we speak of and see whether whether it's uh you know uh T D Jakes and, and the Potter's House whether it's uh Eddie uh Bishop Love and and and, and what he's doing and then Creflo Dollar and Joel Orstein and then what's the other dude Prince the little the little Asian fellow him all these mega churches that we have in and around our country I don't see even in my own state we have we have not not a mega church but we got a big church here. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and um we don't see how much either it is either the community is 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 affected because like even 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 when the, when uh, when Brother Ray brought up that you know should we since, since they're ran like a business and when you have these big churches they are you know what I'm saying they are run like businesses you know that's you that's a small stadium you're working with most of the time yeah you know I'm saying that fit all of these people in there that you know what I'm saying so so it it is a it it is a business and and, and should they be taxed I think that. That should be dependent on outright how much are you working with the community? Uh, are you working in the community that you are in? You know what I'm saying? The people that you are serving and the people that you are, the, the, the people that you are saving or soul saving or, or bringing in, you know what I'm saying, are bringing in with the word. I, I, I need to know, or I need to see at least, um, what all are you doing in, 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 in those communities that, that, that you are servicing, that you are ministering, that you are ministering to. And that's what I haven't heard from Joel Orstein or from any other, in, in, in any other uh, neighborhood or any other big mega church uh, um, that also operates uh, uh, within that neighborhood, within that, that affected area. Because I do believe if I'm not mistaken, TDJ's church is, 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 is also based in Texas. Um, so and and that's what I that's what I'm not hearing and and that's the, and that's the exactly. issue that, that that I have that you bring in all that 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 you bring in all this money that you, you know what I'm saying that you have all of this uh, uh uh notoriety how much are you are you are you working with um those that come and fellowship with you every Sunday. Committee, you've been uh. Silent throughout most of this. You got any thoughts on uh, Osteen and that whole situation in uh, in the Houston area? Uh, that'd be false. I don't know nothing about that character. I don't know anything about this situation. Um, I saw you know some banter back and forth. Just listening to um, you, um, I guess actually mostly uh, Big Rich. Um, some of the young ladies that was authors and uh, more aligned with the church, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, you know how I play it. Like factually, it's true. We really not sure um, if the if the place is underneath sea level. I mean, we got um, you know family members and friends out in that area, and even with that fragmentedly, they really don't know. You know, so I don't know. I don't know what happened or didn't happen. Um, my thing is this. You almost don't even know 
until you put in that situation. So um, you know where I live at. You know where the creek is in comparison to my house. You know a lot of these things. And you know that the last, not the last time, but the time before last, when the creek overflowed, that the characters are right on the creek, homes were flooded. Now, just on a humanitarian effort, let's say the the creek had raised another, I don't know, seven, eight feet. So, you know, it was hard for me to get out of my neighborhood. But again, you know, um, you know, gotta be what it is. I live kind of sort of on top of that. So let's just say for giggles, whatever, whatever, characters basically really just had to get out of the water. How much humanity do you have to say, I'm going to open the door to my house and let people come into my house to a main drive? And how long would you do that for? The waters don't recede. We we all going to eat upon our own food. Or we, like, you know what I'm saying? Now, again, yes, yeah, that's a place to worship. It's a place of this, it's a place of that, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes down to brass tacks, what would you do in this place with you? You know what I'm saying? Can you really pull out your WWJDE? Uh, or are you going to be like, you know, now we got to deal with this copper situation or, or this whole place is going to be ruined afterwards? The whole table of God is for the earth, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, um, the invoice still has to come due. What, what would you really do? I can't say. I don't know about this story. I, I'm more really honestly discounted by my people that's out there. And I would hope that if they had to drive by his church, he would open the door if it was possible. If not, then really I don't have nothing to do with it. All right. Let me, uh, we got one of our brothers we hadn't heard from in a while. Brother Adrian from Bakersfield. How you doing, my brother? How you doing, my brother? I'm all right. How are y'all? Hey, Hello? Not too bad. Hey, what's going on? All right, so since we got Adrian on now. Oh, I got an echo here. Hold on. All right, y'all still hear that echo? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I got you. Can y'all hear me? Okay. okay. I was wondering why I had that echo. Echo in. All right, so since we got my man Adrian up here, and look like the ladies have all decided to call it a night, let's get into uh, this fight that happened Saturday. Now, I'm not a fan of Mayweather, so I didn't watch it. But um, And plus, I was uh, handling some other business. I was um, preoccupied at an event, but I saw a couple of guys streaming that somebody was actually live streaming that fight via uh, Facebook, and they had, Jesus, they had almost a half a million viewers following his stream. Um, Any any surprises for you guys? Any shocks? Anything, you know, worth mentioning from that fight? I liked it. Say so you liked it, Adrian. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I was, I was waiting to see what McGregor's wind was going to be like, and largely because he doesn't fight that many rounds, uh, so I wanted to see how it was going to go, and it went pretty much like I thought. Um, uh, Mayweather laid back in the cut. Let the guy spin his load. 
um, you know, taking some blows here and there, protecting himself, running. And then once he started tagging him or, or seeing that he could hit him in the head, he'd get him in that body and stuff like that. He just waited until those later rounds and just kept pouring it on, pouring it on. And sure enough, he they stopped the fight. Now, I didn't, I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch the fight. But what I heard was from people who were watching it that they said, unlike the Mayweather that you see in, you know, his bouts when he's defending his title, that he was a bit more aggressive this go-round. He wasn't as um, calculating, as distant as he is, you know, preferring to win on points, that he was more aggressive in this fight with McGregor. Did you notice that? Yeah. He said also the reason why he was aggressive, more aggressive is because after the um, the fight that he had with uh, Pacquiao, they were upset, um, his viewers. So he wanted to give them a fight. But also, I'm sure in the back of his mind, he probably felt that McGregor's conditioning might be uh, needed, you know, might might be um, not up to par as his. Going those large, or those yeah, longer because, rounds. Because so. those MMA fighters, they only fight what three, two minute or ninety second rounds when they fight. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's less than a. Than yeah, a so yeah, their stamina. No, a lot of those guys is it going to be on par with a boxer who's conditioned to go twelve rounds for the most part? Right. Right. Nah, and, they go. They go five minute. They go five minute rounds. But they, but they championship, the championship bouts go five rounds of five minute rounds. Yeah, you know I'm saying. So the most they fight on a, on a champion, they don't, they, the most they fight is is fifteen minutes. You know what I'm saying? And and okay. unless it's a championship, unless it's a championship round, then they'll fight. You know what I'm saying? If it goes the distance, twenty five minutes. But you won't. You it, it's rare that you will see uh, a championship bout. Go the distance. Go a full five. Let me say five minutes. Five, five, uh, uh, five full. Uh, I mean five rounds. Five, uh, five minutes. Okay. All right. So, we'll, so what was your thoughts, L? Was it what you expected? I mean, pretty much everybody expected Mayweather to win, but I've heard from several people that McGregor threw the fight. Some said that McGregor was actually winning on the uh, Liederman's card. Again, like I said, I didn't follow it. So I don't know, but uh, those were some of the, for the first stories few rounds, I heard from people who for the, did watch it. For the first few rounds, I mean, you knew, you knew he was gonna feel, you knew certain, you knew, you knew certain things was 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 gonna kind of take him out of his league. Yeah, you know I'm saying one, the ring size is a, is, a, is a lot bigger. Somebody got something going on in the background. Somebody outside. Somebody got the window down. Some okay, there we go. We got it. All right, cool. So you know there was there was going to be certain things that 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 uh, McGregor had was going to have to adjust to. One was ring size, uh, ring size being a lot bigger than what he's used to. Um, two, uh, uh, again, was you know uh, endurance. He was actually saying? handicapped yeah. also. Yeah, you. Could, I mean, well, yeah, because because, because it, it was he had to, he had to fight under boxing rules, which is what Mayweather exactly. stipulated, and rather he agreed exactly. to. So he was. 
technically exactly. handicapped. So you had to, you had to fight. You had to. Yeah, yeah he was. He was. Oh, yeah, because you can't use you can't use everything. You can't use back hands, back fists. You can't use elbows. You got to fight Queensberry rules. You know what I'm saying so, and then and also you had to wear and, and he had to wear heavier gloves. You know what I'm saying he's not used to having that much weight on his hands. You know what I'm saying when he when 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 he when, when he's fighting. So all of that takes a toll. Plus you're plus you're in the mix a way lot longer. You know what I'm saying so. Um, so he for the first three, I want to say four rounds, he did well. He did well. He kind of he you know what I'm saying he, he kind of led with his jab. You know what I'm saying? He he took different angles. He ch- changed up he changed up his stance um to, to, to give uh uh to, to to give him something else to look at, which was good. It was it was creative, but all of that expelled a lot of energy. You know what I'm saying? It was good to look at. It was fun to watch. It, w- it was fun to watch. It was very interesting to watch because I wanted to see how he could adapt to fighting in the ring. You know what I'm saying? By by but just boxing. You know what I'm saying? So we know he's he's good at striking, but I wanted to, we wanted to see how that was going to convert to boxing, which he was doing pretty well. He was doing pretty well, but we knew by, by round five or six, it started to take its toll. He started leaning on the ropes. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, taking breaths. It's starting to get to him. He's starting to get gas. Now, this whole time, while he's kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 Mayweather's leading with his chin, putting his face in his chest and kind of letting him tee off of him. You know what I'm saying? He getting shots that he 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 he's getting shots that he ain't never. You know what I'm saying? That you ain't never you you never you've never you're not accustomed to seeing Mayweather take. You know what I'm saying? So he's taking mad crazy shots on the chin. You know what I'm saying? And but this is and and all he's doing is attacking the body. You know what I'm saying? Throwing a couple jabs to the face, couple but he's but he's attacking the body. So while he's throwing all of his. You know what I'm saying? And and, and and he was predicted that, you know, that, that, that if he was to get hit with a clean left hand from from uh, uh, from McGregor, he'd have knocked him out. You know what I'm saying? He took a couple good clean shots from uh for, you know what I'm saying, from from McGregor and it did nothing. And he just kinda weighed he just kinda weighed on his body until it got into the latter rounds and then uh, uh, and and then Mayweather took over. I mean, he was hit. He was hitting him. It was almost. It was almost like you was watching. You was watching the Ali Foreman fight. You know what I'm saying? Where Foreman got gassed, and and then Ali turned up on him, just hitting him with straight right hands, just disrespecting his whole his whole guard, everything. And that's what he was doing, just bombing him with straight right hands to his grill. And there's nothing he could do about it. His hands went up from a high guard, you know what I'm saying, over his face to 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 you know what I'm saying, toward the mid level round in front of his in front of his chest. By the time he got to the the, the seventh to eighth rounds, his hands was down to the side of his body. He's fighting like he's Roy Jones. Exactly. His hands were dropped like yeah, you know what I'm saying? My, yeah, because he gassed him for air. You know what I'm saying? He's because he's he's gassed. His legs is wobbly. He's got no air in the tank. His hands to his and he just he just throwing wild jabs to kind of keep him to kind of keep Mayweather, Mayweather off him. And he dug into that boy ass like we like yeah. we knew he was going to. Do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when he get down yeah. to the tenth round and he and he and he literally he literally chasing this dude around the ring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All, all he doing, all, all he doing is backpedaling to keep distance. He and he tearing, he, and he tearing his fucking face up. You know what I'm saying? I was waiting, I was, I was going, I was waiting to see the judge. 
let it go. The ref let it go so that Mayweather could knock him out because he was in moves. He was in room to knock him out. But because he couldn't keep his hands up and he couldn't defend himself no more, the judge and the judge called. I mean, the referee called it. But that was what we expected. He gave a he gave a good he gave a good fight for as long as he could. Yeah, you know I'm saying he fought that good fight for as long as he could. But again, you you are a novice at boxing to one of the most strategic, one of the most tactical, one of the most defensive boxers we've seen in this generation. Period. And you really thought you was gonna beat on? All right, let me, uh, Comedic, did you get a chance to watch any of it, or you didn't care well, about it? I mean, you know, considering that I was, um, you know, pretty much, you know, the left to your right hand, um, I was able to only see um, what was the last round. Um, I, I checked checked Facebook to, to get the um, results, and somebody was playing the last round. So I'm watching the last round. They come out there with the bing bing. And I hadn't seen, you know, I've been seeing posts where people was like, oh, McGregor whipping his ass. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, that's peculiar. But I was like, whatever. So I started watching the fight and the last round. And um, Mayweather is leaning forward, which is something I've almost never seen. Mayweather mm-hmm. is diving into dudes. And dudes is not don't even have his hands up. So I'm trying to figure out what the fuck, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I, I don't get it. So, you know, two days later I'm in the gym and they're like, oh, this is the breakdown and, and basically kick out one out. And I know, um, um, I know that, um, you know, this is way further than he's ever been in any type of around. You know what I'm saying? So, he, you know, as they say, his mouth is open. He's windy. He can't hold his hands up no more. Um, I've actually attempted doing some boxing. I don't really enjoy it because, um, you know, too many rules, too many restrictions, um, and too easy to gas out, have your hands like lead, <laughs> and take too many blows to the head. Um, I personally... I understand why the ref stopped the fight, but I personally, like, I just feel like you should have let it go at least to the bell. Or you should at least let it go for him. Because really, you kind of sort of should have tasked um, Floyd to something that he almost never has to do, which is actually win the fight. Um, You know, the guy gave him the fight, but he didn't win the fight, you know what I'm saying, so it, it almost it almost probably wouldn't have become a situation where it would have been a decision, but let's just say, as mm-hmm. usual, for whatever reason, he would have went to Ireland, he wouldn't have been in this place, and the judges would have, you know, just been down for the green, um, and not the money, but, you know, for the flag, and, and he may have lost it, because he didn't win it, he didn't take it, he didn't, he didn't do any of that. I'm not saying he wouldn't have knocked him out, and I'm also not saying he 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 almost didn't hurt that guy. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it shouldn't have been a question. You know what I mean? Yes, he did a humane thing. He said that guy, that guy wasn't <laughs> he wasn't gonna make it. But you know, it, it, it should have went at least to the bell, and 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 he should have won that fight instead of what he was granted to fight. And I didn't like that. All right. 
What's your thoughts on it, B-I-double-G? Well, my thoughts are going to be very quick and short because Comedic summed it up for me. I just Everything that everybody else has said, I agree with all the way up to they stopped that fight too soon. They, you know, every, every fighter that's losing is going to always say, you know, I could have kept going. I could have kept going. Every, every fighter that ever got stopped. I've never yet seen a fighter who, when the referee stopped it, the fighter said, whew, thank you. I appreciate that because I, I would get my ass whooped. No, they, they usually always say, I could have kept going. In this particular case, I really believe Connor McGregor when he said, you know what, at least let my ass hit the floor one time before you decide that I can't fight any further. And I think they stopped too soon. I, I agree with Comedic 150%. That especially mm-hmm. after all of that, the only the what what happened <clears throat> as more entertaining as as entertaining as it was, more so than I thought it would be. What happened on Saturday mm-hmm. night is exactly what so many other people said, and I agreed to. Which was there's nothing we're going to see on Saturday that was going to be as funny, entertaining, and exciting as we saw leading up to Saturday. So they were correct on that. And because of that, because of that being said and being well-known, that being, that being common knowledge, even to McGregor and to Mayweather, Mayweather, they, Mayweather should have been like, no, I'm going to put your ass on the mat. And the referee, should, whoever not winks, uh, you know, gives the okay signal to the referee, should have said, let him fall first before you stop this fight. Because we need to show, Mayweather needs to show, I can whoop some ass. And this was the person to show that on. A guy who was rough and tough in the, in the octagon, but in that, in that squared circle, I'm going to show you that these, that these ain't no games, that these hands is for real. And and I just think they stopped it a little bit too soon. Okay. All right. Well, time is winding down on us, so you know I got to get this discussion in. Hey, uh, Adrian, are you a Game of Thrones fan? I'm sorry, say that one more time. So are you a Game of Thrones fan? No, uh, no, I, I can't speak anything to that show. All right, so you and L are out of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn. Comedic, I noticed you didn't post uh, Sunday night. Did you uh, end up going to sleep again and watching it the next day or a couple hours later? Uh, no, what actually occurred was, um, I guess, how can I put it? Um, I was watching it. Some character came through. They want to talk to me while I'm watching it. So I saw it, but I didn't hear it. So what I did was I turned back around and I watched it the next day. Because, I mean, consider I saw it. Okay, cool. And I saw everything there was to see, but I didn't get, I didn't hear the last scene with Bran revealing who John was. You know what I mean? So clearly I didn't get the episode, right? So, you know, and plus... When I watched it the first time, it didn't really. There was so much coming so fast, I really couldn't. Um, I just the commentary just was. I was like, I want to watch the show. Um, so excellent show. I mean, I did watch it completely. I did enjoy it completely. 
Um, have no idea what we sought to do for two years other than a whole bunch of Marvel movies. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm prepared to, you know, speak on anything you want to speak about. All right, well I got I got two I got two gripes. Actually, one is not really a gripe, one is a gripe. And maybe you guys caught it. I mentioned it to Big Rich earlier when we was talking and Rich said now nah, he's gonna be sitting up there thinking about it also. But one of the things I noticed that kind of threw me for a loop, and, Kometic, you said you didn't really hear the dialogue, but right towards the end where Brand was talking to Sam about Jon Snow not being a bastard and that, you know, he's actually a Targaryen. The thing that baffled me about that was, okay, he's having that conversation with Sam, but we didn't see or hear whether or not, or if he didn't, why didn't he have the conversation with Sansa and Arya first, considering they are his siblings? Why would you tell Sam that crucial information and not reveal that you also shared it with Sansa or Arya? I took issue with that. I mean, I'm slightly confused. So you're saying... Why didn't he bring it up to them, or or he brought it up to them because and didn't make? Because I think it would have made a lot more logical sense if if Bran knew that, and and clearly he knew it because he told it to Sam. If Bran knew, the only thing that Bran didn't know, which he had to go, you know, into the past to see it for himself, when Sam mentioned it, that uh, Rhaegar, the Targaryen, and Lyanna, their aunt sister were actually married because Brand didn't know that. Remember, he went back in the past and actually saw where they had the ceremony because the story was always that Rhaegar had raped, potentially raped Lyanna when he kidnapped her, which is what Brand, you know, saw her giving birth in the tower, that even though he has access to all this knowledge, it isn't like he actually knows all this knowledge. He has to go back you know, to learn it. And that was one of the things the Three-Eyed Raven told him. You know, the Three-Eyed Raven had, what, a thousand years to gain all that knowledge he had. Bran just had, what, four or five seasons to come into, you know, some of what he knows. So it's like he has access to, but he never looked at it himself. And he just assumed, like everybody else, that Lyanna had been kidnapped and raped by Rhaegar instead of, them actually being married. But my thing is, is that that vital information that Jon Snow is not a bastard, wasn't one of Ned Stark's bastard children, but rather is a Targaryen and was born from their Aunt Lyanna, you would think that is something that he would have shared with Arya and Sansa before he even shared it with Sam. And that wasn't uh, hinted at in that episode. I don't know. Um, you you know that characters play so much shit so close to the vest. Um, because the two of them were confidants on a certain level. I mean, like I said, I don't really think that it was really should be like common knowledge. But I, I, I'm not. I, I didn't take offense with it. I mean, you know, some characters are like, yo, I'm mad. Bran shows up, he don't get no hug. Arya shows up, she gets a hug. He ain't telling the secret. I mean, it's weird times. 
crazy shit going on. Um, again, also, I, what I really, really appreciated was listening to the show, you know, as well as watching it, um, to understand that um, you, you, the the, uh, the Ironbound, when they broke out, claiming, well, we're getting out of here to go, you know, <laughs> get back to the island, only find out they wasn't really getting out of there. They was shooting over there real fast to get the elephants and everything else. So I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, there's her play. You know, I was waiting for her to make her play, and it, and it looked like she wasn't making no play. But she, as always, um, what the fuck? Uh, Joffrey's mom was making her play. And w- what an amazing play it will be when it's played out in two years. But, I mean, I, I, it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of, um, you know, espionage and et cetera, et cetera, which makes it for great writing. Well, after after she revealed to Jamie her plan that she had, you know, cooked up with Euron about him not leaving, as he alluded to, you know, once they saw the uh, the White Walker, but more or less going, you know, to this island to get, you know, these other additional troops, elephants, etc. Do you feel now that this is uh that Jamie is gonna end up switching allegiances? I don't know because he's terribly in love with Shorty and I I believe, yeah, because she told him like F you we we always gonna have another Lannister because I got one in my belly, you know what I'm saying, kind of situation. So exactly. He's he's hurt right now, um, and terrified that you know the Walking Dead basically is about to come through. So you know what I'm saying he like you know do what you do, but this is very very serious. So I, I don't know I, I I don't know, and then I honestly don't know if 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 she's gonna go through marry the Iron Brown kid just just due to the fact et cetera et cetera have Jamie knifed off. But, I mean, a lot of them have really tested her blade. Her brother tested, well, I guess they're both brothers, you know what I'm saying? The whole family has tested her blade like like you're not going to kill me and have lived. You know, both of them dared her to kill him on that show and lived. So I don't know if they're going to still catch the blade later or what. I don't know. All right, what's your thoughts, Big Rich, I, at the season finale? I, I think that... um. I think that one part of 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 this of the season finale that's that's um being overlooked in my mind mostly based off of conversations like this is let's not forget that Theon is going to go get his sister. And him and Sister Greyjoy are gonna ride again at least one more time. Now with the with the rumor that we only gonna get five episodes, maybe six episodes in the in two years from now, I don't know how to tie in that storyline. But then it's Game of Thrones, so multiple storylines is. They the also thing. said those six episodes are actually gonna feel like ten to twelve episodes because they said each episode is gonna be about the length of a feature length movie. So you're talking an hour and a half to maybe two hours, hour, 45 minutes an episode. So they're not going to okay. be the regular minutes, 50 minutes, 45, like they gypped us the other week, or 55 minutes. These are going to actually be an hour-plus long 
you know, episodes like that uh, one last week, which clocked in at 80 minutes. Okay. All right. So, so, so you know. Yeah, these are. That, we we've got we've got we've got that kind of thing happening, but you, but but but, uh, but Sister Greyjoy is gonna ride again. That's what I call her, the uh, Theon sister. Yara, Sister Greyjoy, Yara. yeah, Yara and yeah, Theon, Yara. they've got that thing that's gonna come up. I think that her her army is gonna be very pivotal in what's going on. The biggest questions that that that, that needs to be answered though for me from this uh from from this um season finale. Is where where Jamie's allegiances are going to lie? Uh, are they going to stay with um, what's her name, old girl, or is is she? You know, don't forget that Brianna's got got the hot panties for him too. Uh, Brianna, Brianna, uh, Brianna, yeah, girl. Brianna Tarth, yeah, yeah, yeah Brianna Tarth. She, she's got she's yeah, got she's got the hot pants for her. Yeah, and Tormund don't smash it first because he got he got the bigger hots for her. Yeah, Tormund got the bigger hots for her. You're right. You're right. So All right, two, it, it's gonna be it's gonna uh, be a lot of fun, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Two quick things before we uh sign off. I'm mad. I just found out was reading um the producers actually cut a scene from that episode that was very pivotal and. I'm a bit uh, vexed when I found out the scene. If you remember the scene before uh, this one, there was a slight rift between both Sansa and Arya. And they said that scene yeah. was actually, Sansa was on the verge of having Arya taken out, and Arya was actually planning to kill Sansa as well. But they said that Sansa went to Bran and asked him what should she do with regards to what she felt Arya was going to do with that letter. And they said that Bran told her everything about what Lord Baelish did, yada, 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 and Sansa had an oh shit moment and decided to, you know, call Baelish out on his shit. So they completely wiped that scene out in favor of showing uh, Jon Snow's naked ass and him getting with his aunt. So that's why that scene got deleted. But they said, yeah, actually, yeah. both of them were um, they were actually planning to take out each other. They said Sansa was definitely going to take out Arya because she didn't want that letter to become known, and Arya was going to take her out because she felt that she was the reason that their family got into that whole turmoil, and it's what got her father, you know, their father killed. So they said, without a doubt, well, that was I- the plan. I, I think I think the tension what? I think the tension that they showed was very good. You know, I think I think the it was very good. good. Think, they didn't show how all of a sudden they just decided to join forces against Baelish because prior to that scene, you know, they were both at each other's throats. Right. Yeah, well, and the I producers mean, would but, like but, but it, Go ahead. The, the producers, the producers were what now? Producers were like they, you know, they felt like that was. They were the producers felt like it was better left unexplained to just show that you know what a lot of the fans wanted, which was for Ari to take out you know Baelish. So you know they decided 
you know, we don't need to really show the explanation for why, you know, Sansa didn't go forth with her plan to, you know, have Arya taken out and Arya, you know, to go through with her potential plan decided to, you know, forego it and go with the scene of them essentially uniting with Bran to uh, take out uh, Baelish. But anyway, yo, we got to wrap it up. L, I know uh, you're not a fan of Game of Thrones, but I know you are a fan of Power, and Power will have their season premiere on Sunday, so we'll make sure to get into that one uh, next week also. want to thank everybody for um, tuning in. Also want to thank the ladies that Big Rich interviewed, Tracy Henderson-Smith, Regina Poole, LaDonna P. Grafton, Victoria Bruce, and K.A. Pullings in their um, book, Living Power Now. So get a chance, check it out. Definitely um, tune into those ladies. They're doing big And you guys should, you know, check out all they have to offer. Also, don't forget, my man DJ Comedic, next Friday, every Friday, 11 to 1, House Lunch Break Live on Mixler, M-I-X-L-R. Check them out there. And we will be back here next Wednesday with another episode of The Cypher. You guys have a great week, great weekend. Don't forget, send a prayer up for the people in Southeast Texas. We'll catch you guys next week. Y'all be safe. We're out of here. Peace.